the Minute of Darkness podcast, where we discuss and overanalyze the 1992 classic, Army of Darkness. Previously on Minute of Darkness. The man Rick Ingham, called a 127 hours cosplayer, Ash Williams, has returned to the present and is working at Esmar. He just finished telling a very bored-looking Ted Raimi what has happened in the movie so far. A very interested redhead begins chatting our hero up before a love connection can be made, a new she-bitch deadite goes on the attack. All right, you primitive screwheads, here are your hosts, Brad and Ryan. This is minute six, this, jeez, this is minute 74 of Army of Darkness. I was trying to go back in time. <laughs> Ryan, how you doing? I'm just excellent. So excited to be here for uh, 74 and uh, uh, doing great. How are you doing? Uh, living the dream. Might be the last time I'm saying this. It's a lot of last times this uh, for this week of recording. So also very excited because joining us today we have KJ Falencic. You know him from being uh, somebody who contributed a kick-ass version. You just heard it, a kick-ass version of the Minute of Darkness theme song. KJ, how are you? Hello, Minute of Darkness fans. Mr. Valencic, am I correct? This is your this is your podcasting debut. Am I right on that? That is true. Never done anything like this before. Welcome to the jungle. I have, uh, you know, to full disclosure, um, KJ and I have known each other for a while. We were co-workers, uh, and he has been a listener for um, both uh, Minute of Darkness and uh, the Cosmic Geppetto uh, Mothership podcast. And uh, KJ is, as you guys have heard, he's a, a very talented musician, and he said how he um, liked the fact that we try to use a lot of original music on both shows. And he's like, oh, you know, if you if, if if there's ever anything I can do, I was like, oh yeah. And uh, I I said it would be great to have different. We would love to have different theme songs, and we've been, really had some very cool renditions. But uh, KJ was the first one to just really re-record the song from start to finish, and it sounds so good, just really impressive. Um, sort of what. What was your process on that? Because you really built it up from uh, from bottom to top, and it sounds so cool. Was there something that you went in with a particular mindset when you did the re-recording? So I didn't really have too much in mind. Um, something about my writing style is uh, that I'm not very good at it. Particularly, I'm terrible at lyrics and coming up with the original ideas. Uh, so I thought it was a lot of fun to start with what you had and then see how I could put my own twist on it. It's a good marriage of cre- uh, creative strengths because I can come up with ideas. Uh, I'm de- um, decent lyrically. Uh, I am not nearly as a well-rounded a musician as uh, KJ is, and uh, especially that that guitar solo kicks ass. And uh, I, I I can't do anything nearly that good with uh, my, my meager abilities. And uh, when you first presented it, I listened to uh, your your Minute of Darkness theme a bunch of times over. And I was like, that sounds so cool. So, Brad, I, I think you'll like this, knowing where your uh, music tastes lie. But uh, a lot of that guitar solo was, um, I want to say inspired, but really ripped off is probably a better word. Uh, right from uh, Evangeline, Matthew Sweet.
I, I uh, yeah, the, the, the people who listen to the Cosmic Chipetto podcast, it's pretty well known. I'm a huge Matthew Sweet fan, uh, especially his album Girlfriend. I heard a lot of Robert Kine, uh, who did a lot of the lead guitar work on Girlfriend from uh, in that, and it was like, oh, that sounds so cool. And I immediately wished, it's like, it'd be nice if I had more spare time and, like, Ken, KJ and I could jam because it, he's, because I, I just love that sensibility. It, it, it's really, really great. And thank you so much for, for, for donating your talent to the show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm wondering how many times you're going to call me uh, Ken during this episode. Let me a handful, it, 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 another backstory. It, when we're coworkers, everyone at work calls, calls KJ Ken because... KJ is for Ken Jr. We don't know Ken Sr., so we don't call him KJ. And I remember the first time I heard someone call you that. Uh, it was some work event, and your your beautiful wife was there. And I think she said, it's like, where's KJ? It's like, I don't understand what those letters mean. <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Sorry, that's, that's very funny. <laughs> also, um, I haven't actually heard this intro. I don't know. Did you share it with me, Brad? Is it out or... Uh... Because um, I, I would I would like to hear uh, what KJ uh, contributed to the uh, to the cast at some point. I will uh, I will I will send it over to or you know you could just start listening to more of the episodes of the podcast you work on. <laughs> I could do that too. I could do that too. Ryan, he, he's a pro, he's a producer. He's not a consumer of this show. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just here. You know, it's just doing my thing. <laughs> when was it added? How many how many casts has it been on? We, gosh, I, I, I want to say we probably started putting it in the 30s. Oh, dude, I totally heard it. That's you? That's crazy, man. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> sorry, I have listened to quite a few. Katie and I listened to them together. Uh, so I have certainly heard it. I'm sorry. I thought it was like a new thing. I apologize. <laughs> but uh, well done, man. It's 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 killing, Thank man. You. It's kicking. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's because it, like everyone else, and everyone's done a great job, and it's been so cool. But the other people who have contributed, they've just, they have re-recorded the vocal, sent it in to me, and I slid it in there. And everyone sounded a- Amy Kenrup and uh, uh, Jason Moyle, uh, his version, uh, have been really cool. But it, again, with uh, what KJ did was he just took the lyrics, took sort of the chord progression, tweaked it, uh, and you even use a different chord progression, correct? Yeah, same general idea, but a little bit tweaked. Yeah, and just made sounds so cool. And it's really fun when you hear something that you do... And then you hear a different take on it, and it's it's so fun because it sort of shows interesting stuff that was there that you didn't even realize. And uh, when you hear a different version, and I love covers of songs for the same reason, because, oh, I didn't even realize that was there until I heard a, t- a different version of the same thing, and it, it sort of shows a lot of cool stuff. But moving on, we're, we're on Minute 74, and... Uh, we're, 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 we're in the S-Mart. Ash had been knocked to the side. And uh, as this scene begins, we get a really good look at uh, Ash's metal hand, which they were really sort of hiding since we came back to the present. He uses that to smash the glass to get to the rifle, uh, the, the rifle display. And we see the, uh, the, the deadite, she-bitch. She has a register over her head. She's about ready to kill the, uh, the, the girl that was flirting with Ash. A lot of screaming, a lot of activity, and uh, then we Ash blows the uh, cash register out of the Deadite's hand, and some some really great uh, lines here where you know he says, you know, I'm sorry, man, you're gonna have to ask you to leave the store. 
who the hell are you? It, it's just Ash had sort of transformed to to meek everyday Ash up until this moment, and now the, the badass Ash has come back in full force, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much about this scene that I, I love, and uh, I'll, I'll get into detail a little bit later, because there's a lot going on, but like when he's he's standing up on the table, out of nowhere, he's got this huge leather holster for the gun on his hip. Like, well, what time do you have to get that? And he's he's got the gun, and it's still got a price tag on it, and, uh, you know, he's just... He's delivering lines like he never left medieval England. But uh, um, my first impressions of this beginning scene where the uh, the she bitch is like talking all sorts of shit. And he's just like, lady, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. And, and he's like, you know, she's like, I'm going to swallow your soul. And he's like thinking to himself, I've heard this before. And he's like, come get some, you know, and um, ensues this like just this, this ballet of uh, vi- violence. And it's just uh, uh, it's it's refreshing. It's a refreshing end. Well, what also something I'm sure you appreciate it. I'm sure you noticed. Uh, once he's on top of there and he's joining the fight, Ash's hair is better. <laughs> I didn't actually. I've I've called out his hair often as a producer will, um, but like I didn't notice that it got better until recently. So I, I, you are correct. They did they did his hair up and it's 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 banging right now as it should be at the end. So Ash uh, jumps onto the car. He sort of throws the rifle up in the air, jumps in the car. He's sort of surfing it. Lands in his hands, is just firing off shot after shot after shot. Um, jumps off the cart. There's some off, awesome kicking and shooting the, more of the rifle. Uh, there's a lot of the Deadite being acrobatic. There's, uh, Of course, it's like the sports department. She's jumping off of trampolines that are everywhere. And uh, just r- completely ridiculous and fun. Um, and it's pretty much getting right up to the end. And... Uh, just a, a very comical scene and the action so out there. Uh, Ryan, how did you feel the action in this scene sort of meshed up with the action that had taken place throughout this movie? It is, I, it's a little more over the top than what we've been seeing, which is crazy because it's already been an over the top movie. No, I was, I was actually going to mention that. I think um, pound for pound, this scene is probably one of the most intense action scenes of the movie. Um, we see kind of an intense back and forth in, um, you know, when they went the stew part with the blacksmith and he's all like grabbing an axe. Like that was a pretty cool fight scene. And then the pit scene was pretty good as well. But like, this is like some John Woo shit. Like this, this, they, they wanted to go out with a bang pun intended, um, so to speak. So you could definitely feel that. Now, KJ, what's cool about having you join us today is, most of the people who, uh, the, the other guests that we've had on the show, they've all been Army of Darkness fan for a long time. And Ryan and I have watched this movie dozens of times over the last, uh, since 1992. But you actually just watched this movie for the first time, and you actually started listening to the Minute of Darkness podcast before you watched the movie, correct? Correct. I think I got like 60 minutes into the podcast before I actually watched the movie. <laughs> That, that is so satisfying for me to hear because we, we try to be entertaining, we try to keep it moving, and we, we're doing a light show. We don't get too bogged down in the minutia. We certainly talk about goofy stuff. It's, it's really satisfying to know that we're entertaining enough that even someone who doesn't li- hasn't watched a movie uh, is still willing to listen to 60 episodes of us going on about it. So that, that is a, that, that, I'm going to take that as a real high compliment. 
Yeah, well, it is. Uh, I've listened to a few of these minute by minute podcasts, and I have to say, uh, it's kind of a unique experience listening to one uh, for a movie you haven't seen. You're kind of getting that really slow reveal, uh, you know, the movie going on, and that's. Um, I have to say, kind of like reading a book that you've seen turned into a movie the first time. So many of the things you described weren't exactly what I was expecting when I finally saw them on screen. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> That's amazing. So now it's a real important question. When you finally saw the movie, what did you think? Uh, well, let me back up one more time. Um, also, I, I was unaware that this movie had alternate endings. And uh, I picked up a Blu-ray copy. And I, I got the international ending. I did not get the U.S. ending that we're discussing now. Uh, so, Brad, when you forwarded me this minute, I watched this minute and I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Sudden, suddenly, like, he's in S-Mart and I didn't have any buildup to this scene. I'm wondering, like, did I fall asleep watching the movie? I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure I saw it all. God, that's incredible. Man, it's so funny because you watch the ending where he he wakes up basically a hundred years too late, and is in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, with this minute, like, how how long? Like, I know obviously he's back in the future, but how long has he been back in the future for? I was gonna say, I think it's just it's been like less than a week. It hasn't been too long. Like he's, I mean, he just told that whole story to that poor sap of an employee like about like what was happening you know it's not the first time he's told that story but he's probably like he's been on vacation and he wants to tell everybody at work about it and like it still seems like it's pretty fresh in his mind um so i wouldn't say too long yeah he's got those scratches uh still but i think they're starting to heal yeah i i think um you know basically what happened was they had the the ending that you saw where it's a really depressing ending and one that does a good job of setting up potential sequels but they decided to go in a different direction, perhaps because they didn't believe there was going to be a sequel, or they thought the original ending was too much of a downer. And by the and by the end of Army of Darkness, by the end of the the scenes in taking place in 1300, it, it had sort of become more of a sort of a fun romp. And I think there was a tone problem, so they refilmed it with the scene we're seeing now, which is very John Woo light because they don't kill as many innocent civilians. Uh, Robert Rodriguez style. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty big difference tone wise. So I can imagine how shocked you were when you open up the the clip I sent and it's like, what 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 the hell's going on? Why is he shooting people in a smart? You know, it's a really fun minute though. I'm I'm glad they changed it. We've talked about that because a lot of people, including I believe Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, um, say they prefer the original ending. And Ryan and I are in agreement that we we, we prefer this quite a bit more it's so fun and over the top absolutely 100 percent. but uh overall even though you this this isn't the ending that you saw uh, how did how did you like the movie i love the movie uh honestly it's right my speed uh i I like goofy i like campy and um honestly i'm kind of confused that i missed it for so long sure sure it's in your wheelhouse is Sometimes some of these movies just go under your radar for a while, um, and it was a movie that uh, I know I became introduced to these this series. It, 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 there was like a high school party where everyone you know got together and watched e- Army um, Evil Dead Two, and then in college we saw sort of the same thing. It'd be a bunch of guys getting together. Often it was like 
for fraternity rushes. There was like, hey, we're going to get together, have a couple beers, and you know, watch Army of Darkness. Because it, it could be a fun movie to watch in that atmosphere, especially because, hey, you know, it, it's the action is big enough and the comedy is broad enough where you don't necessarily need to hear all the intricate dialogue and still have a good time. But apparently you just weren't invited to an ev- enough Evil Dead parties. Or parties in general. It would have invited you to mine. We used to watch this movie all the freaking time in college. All the time. <laughs> now one thing, and I wonder if you guys noticed this. In the scene, Ash, of course, jumps on the cart. He's firing the, the shotgun that has way too many bullets. Way too much ammo. There's no reloading. And then he does the kicks. And then you have more of him f- doing rapid fires. And I noticed that was reusing footage from earlier did you guys catch it like he's on the cart he's firing the he's firing the shotgun uh, 20 times he jumps off he kicks the deadite and all of a sudden you see him firing another 20 times when he's supposed to be on the ground but it's actually them reusing the footage of him on the cart but it's just a close-up of his face but you can sort of see the there's movement behind him so they're reusing the same footage yeah no that's uh that that definitely um checks out um i i do have to i okay here's okay i do have to talk about something um i i a lot of my friends know i'm doing this podcast and they, and they are listening um i'm not going to get off tangent about the gun too much but i absolutely have to talk about it um because it is its own character and if you are familiar with this rifle um when you see it you're like holy crap the winchester uh big loop model 1892 has made an appearance in yet another movie and it was made famous in the tv series the rifleman back in the i don't know i think the 50s i mean there was like a couple there was like 200 episodes of this this uh, particular show and um what it is it's a big loop you can it's it's over exaggerated and it was designed for the user to to use it while they're wearing like gloves like they're out in like cold weather and such and i think it's hysterical because they know they had to find a gun that ash could use and we're like, well, what gun can he use? And it's like, well, the only gun he can use with that gauntlet is is the big loop. And um, it makes an appearance in all these crazy movies. Like even at like Westworld, the very first episode of Westworld, it's a chopped down version. You see it. So this this particular rifle, even the big loop, it's uh, it makes an appearance. And if you if you're familiar with it, um, people lose their freaking minds. Two of my friends were like, are you going to talk about the big loop at the end of the movie? And I was like, I swear to God, I will say something. And to your point, depending on the the caliber, it can carry 15 rounds. And the, the ammo check does check out because, you know, we got drunk and counted while we were watching this movie. So <laughs> I, I, I have to I had to say something. I don't want to go too far off on the tangent, but it is hands down. Our favorite part is this this scene where he picks up the uh, the big loop. So little little bit of history there. Also, the 1892 first showed up in 1918 in its very first movie, which is Tarzan of the Apes. Wow. That that. He knows about this rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it. Sorry. <laughs> well, I actually love trivia like that. Uh, and I remember the Rifleman TV show because it would replay on like one of the UHF channels when I, at my grandmother's house growing up. Chuck Connors, who's just this great leading man. And I think he was also the bad guy in Soylent Green. So a very distinctive look. The guy who was just born to be in Westerns. I love uh, I love trivia like that. It's like, hey, they use the same gun in this and this. Um, something that actually ties in to um, Bruce Campbell is um, 
how familiar are, are, were you guys fans of uh, his TV show, Briscoe County Jr.? I've seen a couple episodes for sure. Have not seen it. Uh, it was a fun comedy western that ran one season starring Bruce Campbell, and it was produced by Sam Raimi. And it was a, a, just a, sort of a weird mashup of fun action comedy and even some sci-fi. And Bruce Campbell's character had this um, really neat sort of short uh, rifle pistol. And they ended up using that gun. Again, I believe it was the exact same gun uh, in the TV show Firefly. Oh, dude, yeah, no, that's totally accurate. That's a good call, Brad. Yeah, the the Zoe character, that was, that was Briscoe County Jr.'s gun that she used. Yeah, it's it's actually the same model 1892, but again, it's chopped down with a big loop and a smaller caliber. So, and I love that just, and it was a thing where uh, Joss Whedon, who produced Firefly, is a Sam Raimi fan and loved that, uh, loved that TV show, and he was also a fan of Westerns, and he was a little homage to that. All right, so, Ryan, what else popped out at you from this minute? <laughs> Other than my ridiculous rant about the 1892. <laughs> uh, not, not, well, I, actually a lot. I mean, the, the fact that he's... Uh, um, just pumping rounds and like i mean the shot of him his face like stone cold he's he's laying down lead the the flash is going all around him he's not even blinking like i mean it's just like he's at the top of his game and he's laying down the beat beat down on this deadite and i couldn't see this movie ending any other way and it's just ridiculous and like you said over the top is an understatement about what's happening in the scene i mean you know it's just it's just such so good it's a lot of fun because at this point Ash isn't concerned about one Deadite. This is really easy work for him, and he is so confident and so cool, and he's very much in hero Ash mode. Now, uh, KJ, you know, we've talked a little bit before. You, again, you never watched this movie, and uh, <laughs> share with the audience what your, uh, how you were familiar with Bruce Campbell before you, uh, b- before you watched this movie. Uh, so I watched every season of Burn Notice, so to me, Bruce Campbell is Sam Axe. It was. Uh, I, I love the show Burn Notice, and Bruce Campbell was great as Sam, and it was a really fun role. But he, I mean, how much he couldn't be anymore. In a lot of ways, he was very different because. Uh, well, how would you describe the the Sam character in Burn Notice? I mean, in in some ways, it's it's a little same. He, he he's a little bit older, a little bit um I don't know uh, jollier in his. Uh, in his waist area, but uh, he he still kind of got that that womanizing area, uh, um, womanizing attitude to him. And uh, they, they did a, they did like a hour and a half long special with him that gave his whole backstory. And um, I really felt like he he, he was um, you know reprising a lot of his uh, ash roll during that. He he even uses the you know the famous groovy line. I think if you if you hire Bruce Campbell, you're gonna try to get him to say groovy and whatever you hire him to do. Well, he didn't just say it; he said it while picking up an axe. I mean, not an axe, a uh, chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I really enjoyed Burn Notice. It was a, a, a it was a great summer TV show because uh, it was sort of fun. It was light. Um, it, it had just the right amount of action. Because I don't know about you guys, I can find uh, weekly TV shows where there's a lot of shooting in every episode a little bit tiresome. Because uh, the example I'm thinking of is the show uh, Hawaii Five O, which I watched for a little while. But every episode, the good guys would end up shooting five different criminals. And I was like, wow, you're at the end of a season, you've wiped out a hundred people. 
it seems like you would be put on administrative leave if you leaving a trail of bodies that long. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, but uh, burn notice. There would be actually very little gunplay in that show. You would have a lot of episodes where it was just them sort of noodling and doing some counter espionage, and it, it, it was it was a fun show. And I and I loved Bruce in that, and it was a good role for him because he's he's not really a leading man anymore because. As uh, KJ said, he's a uh, he's, he's he's got a little thickness around the middle. A little bit, a little bit. That's fine. Happens to the best of us. But not KJ. He, he I've known him for a while. He, he's uh, I think he's aging in reverse. <laughs> um, KJ, what else popped? It, uh, anything else that you had to call out from this minute? Yeah, when um when that deadite is like flying towards him, she's like up in the air and flying over. I, I don't know what to call that, that, that girl in the, in the S smart. Um, I, I want to call her Linda cause she's from the wedding singer, but, uh, um, I'm looking for pulleys pulling that cart. I'm looking for wires. I was trying to break this down. And you know what? It doesn't matter. I couldn't see any of it. And all I want to do is just keep focusing on that smile right on Bruce's face. It was, it's a, my, by far my favorite part of the minute. It's such a good performance that it gives. It, it's we're trying to give it the credit it deserves because when you do a movie this uh, over the top and ridiculous, you don't get that credit. Uh, but I'm I'm, th- I'm glad you you sort of call it out, and it's it's great to see this from your perspective. It's because you know Ryan and I we've we've seen this film a bunch, and uh, I, I say the only most of our guests have seen it a bunch. The only person who hasn't seen it a lot aside from you is uh, Ryan's wife because Katie's only seen it what twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> so very cool. And just one last little thing. Um, you know, there's that shop where it's standing, staring down the uh, barrel of his gun, and you get a nice wide shot of like the S Mart. And I was just thinking, that's that's a pretty substantial set for this this little scene at the end of the movie. Yeah, that that's a good point, man. Because like we were talking about this earlier, and I commented about how crappy this this set was. And it really is like, but I think it's almost intentional at this point because like you're supposed it's it's kind of supposed to look like a shithole. But like when you see that wide shot, it's like, well, you know, it seems like they had a decent space and they they put their best foot forward with it uh, for sure. But yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point, especially for something that was tacked on at the end because yeah. this, this wasn't the original ending. So they, uh, <laughs> I wonder how much budget they actually had to do this. And you do see them reusing a little bit of footage during the scene, and it is a yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about it the next minute, but uh, even the the end and how he's shooting her is a little muddled. They just throw so much cool action with such neat effects and uh, at you so fast that you don't sort of break it down too much. But we do this minute by minute, so we break everything down. Break it down. KJ, unlike most of the people that've been on the show. Pretty much everybody has something to plug, but you are not on another podcast. You're not. Uh, is there anything? If, do you have a Twitter handle or anything? If, if people wanted to hear more of your music, or, or or should they just keep an ear open for you on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast? Because we're going to have you back on that. Uh, I've got nothing whatsoever, so I would say, yeah, listen for me there. Hopefully, adding more music. There you go. The offer is out there. So very cool. And uh, well, we're going to keep you in the house. I'm so glad that you were able to do this. Um, but, Ron, I think, I think we've beaten up this minute pretty good. Uh, shall we wrap it up? Let's do it, man. Let's wrap it up. Minute of Darkness is produced by Geppetto Studios. Find out more at CosmicGeppetto.com. Our email is minuteofdarkness at comcast.net. I'm Rick Ingham from the Mad Max Minute Podcast. Dig, damn you. Dig faster. I shall command every worm-infested son of a bitch that ever died in battle. <laughs>